0: section 14 of the wallet of kai lung by ernest brahma this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter one the transmutation of ling part fourteen my beloved lord said mian sadly on a morning after many days had passed since the return of ling have you not every possession for which the heart of a wise person searches yet the dark mark is scarcely ever absent from your symmetrical brow if she who stands before you and is henceforth an integral part of your organization has failed you in any particular no matter how unimportant explain the matter to her and the amendment will be a speedy and a joyful task it was indeed true that ling's mind was troubled but the fault did not lie with mian as the person in question was fully aware for before her eyes as before those of ling the unavailable compact which had been entered into with chang Chun, was ever present insidiously planting bitterness even within the most select and accomplished delights nor with increasing time did the obstinate and intrusive person wang become more dignified in his behaviour on the contrary he freely made use of his position to indulge in every variety of abandonment and almost each day he prevented by reason of his knowledge of the things to be done and not to be done some refined and permissible entertainment upon which ling and mian had determined Ling had dispatched many communications upon this subject to Chang Chun, praying also that some expert way out of the annoyance of the lesser and more unimportant things not to be done should be arrived at, but the time when he might reasonably expect an answer to these written papers had not yet arrived. It was about this period that intelligence was brought to Ling from the villages on the road to Peking, how Li Qin, having secretly ascertained that his yamen was standing and his goods uninjured, had determined to return and was indeed at that hour within a hundred league of si chow furthermore he had repeatedly been understood to pronounce clearly that he considered ling to be the head and beginning of all his inconveniences and to declare that the first act of justice which he should accomplish on his return would be to submit the person in question to the most unbearable tortures and then cause him to lose his head publicly as an outrager of the settled state of things and an enemy of those who love tranquillity. Not doubting that Lee Keen would endeavor to gain an advantage by treachery if the chance presented itself, Ling determined to go forth to meet him, and without delay settled the entire disturbance in one well-chosen and fatally destructive encounter. To this end, rather than disturb the placid mind of Mian, to whom the thought of the engagement would be weighted with many disquieting fears, he gave out that he was going upon an expedition to surprise and capture certain fish of a very delicate flavor, and attended by only two persons, he set forth in the early part of the day. Some hours later, owing to an ill-considered remark on the part of the deaf attendant, to whom the matter had been explained in an imperfect light, Mian became possessed of the true facts of the case, and immediately all the pleasure of existence went from her. She despaired of ever again beholding Ling in an ordinary state, and mournfully reproached herself for the bitter words which had risen to her lips when the circumstance of his condition and the arrangement with chang chun first became known to her after spending an interval in a polished lament at the manner in which things were inevitably tending the thought occurred to mian whether by any means in her power she could influence the course and settled method of affairs in this situation the memory of the person wang and the fact that on several occasions he had made himself objectionable when ling had proposed to place himself in such a position that he incurred some very remote chance of death by drowning or by fire recurred to her subduing the natural and pure-minded repulsion which she invariably experienced at the mere thought of so debased an individual she sought for him and discovering him in the act of constructing cardboard figures of men and animals which it was his custom to dispose skilfully in little frequent paths for the purpose of enjoying the sudden terror of those who passed by, she quickly put the matter before him, urging him by some means to prevent the encounter, which must assuredly cost the light of the one whom he had so often previously obstructed from incurring the slightest risk. "'By no means,' exclaimed Wang, when he at length understood the full meaning of the project. "'It would be a most unpresentable action for this commonplace person to interfere in so honourable an undertaking.' had the priceless body of the intrepid Ling been in any danger of disappearing as, for example, by drowning or being consumed in fire, the nature of the circumstance would have been different. As the matter exists, however, there is every appearance that the far-seeing Chang Chun will soon reap the deserved reward of his somewhat speculative enterprise, and to that end, this person will immediately procure a wooden barrier and the services of four robust carriers, and proceed to the scene of the conflict. Deprived of even this hope of preventing the encounter, Mian betook herself in extreme dejection to the secret room of the magician, which had been unopened since the day when the two attendants had searched for substances to apply to their master, and there she diligently examined every object in the remote chance of discovering something which might prove of value in averting the matter in question. Not anticipating that the true reason of his journey would become known to Mian, Ling continued on his way without haste, and passing through Si Chow before the sun had risen, entered upon the great road to Peking. At a convenient distance from the town, he came to a favorable piece of ground where he decided to await the arrival of Li Keen, spending the time profitably in polishing his already brilliant sword, and making observations upon the nature of the spot and the condition of the surrounding omens, on which the success of his expedition would largely depend as the sun reached the highest point in the open sky the sound of an approaching company could be plainly heard but at the moment when the chair of the mandarin appeared within the sight of those who waited the great luminary upon which all portents depend directly or indirectly changed to the colour of new-drawn blood and began to sink towards the earth without any misgivings therefore ling disposed his two attendants in the wood with instructions to step forth and aid him if he should be attacked by overwhelming numbers, while he himself remained in the way. As the chair approached, the Mandarin observed a person standing alone, and thinking that it was one who, hearing of his return, had come out of the town to honor him, he commanded the bearers to pause. Thereupon stepping up to the opening, Ling struck the deceptive and incapably keen on the cheek, at the same time crying in a full voice, come forth o traitorous and two-stomached mandarin for this person is very desirous of assisting you in the fulfilment of your boastful words here is a most irreproachable sword which will serve excellently to cut off this person's undignified head here is a waistcord which can be tightened around his breast thereby producing excruciating pains over the entire body at the knowledge of who the one before him was and when he heard the words which unhesitatingly announced Ling's fixed purpose, Lee Keen first urged the carriers to fall upon Ling and slay him, and then, perceiving that such a course was exceedingly distasteful to their natural tendencies, to take up the chair and save him by flight. But Ling in the meantime engaged their attention, and fully explained to them the treacherous and unworthy conduct of Lee Keen, showing them how his death would be a just retribution for his ill-spent life and promising them each a considerable reward in addition to their arranged payment when the matter in question had become accomplished becoming convinced of the justice of ling's cause they turned upon lee kean insisting that he should at once attempt to carry out the ill-judged threats against ling of which they were consistent witnesses and announcing that if he failed to do so they would certainly bear him themselves to a not far distant well of stagnant water and there gain the approbation of the good spirits by freeing the land of so unnatural a monster seeing only a dishonorable death on either side lee keen drew his sword and made use of every artifice of which he had knowledge in order to disarm ling or to take him at a disadvantage in this he was unsuccessful for ling who was by nature a very expert sword user struck him repeatedly until he at length fell in an expiring condition remarking with his last words that he had indeed been a narrow-minded and extortionate person during his life, and that his death was an enlightened act of celestial accuracy. Directing Wang and his four hired persons, who had in the meantime arrived, to give the body of the Mandarin an honorable burial in the deep of the wood, Ling rewarded and dismissed the chair-bearers, and without delay proceeded to Si Chow, where he charitably distributed the goods and possessions of Li Qin among the poor of the town. Having in this able and conscientious manner completely proved the misleading nature of the disgraceful statements which the Mandarin had spread abroad concerning him, Ling turned his footsteps towards Mian, whose entrancing joy at his safe return was judged by both persons to be a sufficient reward for the mental distress with which their separation had been accompanied. End of section 14